0: This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. I
1: think it's all over.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Game Time podcast. As usual, it's our Premier League review episode with Tom and Ryan. Boys, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great, mate.
0: That's fantastic, Ryan.
2: I'm bloody fantastic, thank you. How are you?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm also really good. Right, a lot to get through this episode because it's been a busy weekend, and we're going to start it with the least favorite of the games of the weekend for me: Manchester United West Ham. Honestly, what's happening? Please, someone tell me.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. If you even you just look at it from a West Ham perspective to start, they started the season so poorly, and they've now. I had a great result against Chelsea and an even better one against United, but it, it, I don't understand how you can't put this one down to Mourinho playing with Tomine at the back um, was, I, I, in my opinion, I think the only reason he did that was to prove a point to the board, um, showing well if you're not going to sign the players I want in the summer, this is what I'm going to do, and it, I think it's amazing how there's even a debate you can turn it on to some of the players. I think there's been a lot of press this week about Alexis Sanchez being uh, a maybe an overrated signing, an overrated player and obviously the Pogba stuff in the past but as a manager when you've got actual centre-backs on the bench and you're still playing McTominay I mean, that, that's, that's, he's doing that to spite the board rather than uh, to try and actually win games so, so I, I think he's he's probably got two jobs now, the Valencia game uh, two games, sorry, the, the Valencia game and the Newcastle game next weekend really to probably save his job and that's even if he wants it
0: I think you're probably spot on with the He's trying to prove a point. I think he does so well to deflect everything away from him and just try and make it about something completely different. When the players play badly, he puts it on himself. When things aren't going well for him, he starts blaming Luke Shaw. Do you think this is the end of the line for Mourinho as a, as a world-class manager, Ryan?
2: Um, if he gets sacked here, I definitely think so, yeah. I mean, who would want him now? <laughs> it's not being funny, but like, we talked about this. Well, you talked about this last week, about sort of like elite level managers like why would you want someone to come in that offers such horrific sort of long-term planning for a team i mean it's okay for a couple of seasons maybe but then afterwards like that it just just all falls apart it's happened at pretty much every job he's had i mean like i had reservations when he took over at united thinking okay yeah they might win a couple of things in the first couple of seasons but he won't be there for long and it's sort of like coming through now, isn't it? He sort of like doesn't seem to be wanting to be there. And I feel like he he might have one big more big job in him, so maybe like an international manager's job, because hmm. he's not done one of those before. Um but yeah, definitely sort of um one of the last last big jobs he'll probably be offered if anyone or if any chairman's sensible anyway. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that.
0: If United were to get rid of him, let's say, like Tom said, if they lose against Valencia in the Champions League and then again at Newcastle at the weekend and they get rid of him. Is it just a straight shoot out for finding Zidane and getting him on the blower?
2: I don't know about that. I don't think he's the answer either, to be honest. I mean, like, why would he, in all due respect, why would he come to United? I mean, like, he's clearly been sort of, like, wanting maybe the France job or maybe something at one of his old clubs where he used to sort of uh, play. So maybe like Juventus. I don't see why Zidane would want to go to there. I see, I could see probably maybe, if anyone's going to go there, it would probably be Conte, because obviously he left Chelsea under a bit of a sort of a cloud. And he may want to sort of build up his reputation again. But I can't see why Zidane would ever go would go to United personally. But like I said, I could be proven wrong. But it just would be a weird move, I think, for for him at this stage. But yeah, I don't know about what. Who do you think? Do you think it would be he's the right man then?
0: Zidane or Mourinho? Zidane. No, to be honest, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I, it's really difficult to judge what he did at Real Madrid. I mean, it was incredible back-to-back-to-back Champions Leagues and, and a La Liga as well. But that squad was unbelievable. So I think it's really difficult. He hasn't really done anything else in his managerial career. So maybe go for someone who's been around a bit. I mean, just get David Moyes back. That's what I'd say. I think he's still got a few months left on his contract. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm not really sure. Tom, have you got any names to throw into the hat?
1: I think as um, popular as it's going to be with one person in this, I think it's going to be Argentina. Um I think maybe what United do need is to, to, to bring someone in who's going to not just be able to have that initial impact of being a big manager but also having a system and an idea. Because um, at the moment they look sort of bereft of confidence. There doesn't Appear to be a, even a Mourinho style of play, apart from in, incredibly defensive and using Marouane Fellaini as a battering ram. Um, so I think they're going to need to bring someone in who's got, um, yeah, that elite level of quality and that elite level of tactic, no, uh, tactic tactical know-how. Um, and I, I think it, I think it's probably likely to be Pochettino, um, and I, I, I can see. I don't, I don't, I don't know how much money he's on at Tottenham, but I think that he's he's possibly. I, I don't. I mean, Ryan, you're probably better placed to answer this as well, but he's very much a project manager. Mm. Um, he did it, he did it at Southampton, and I think he's he's done it very effectively at, at Tottenham as well. If you look where where Tottenham were um, in that first season where he took over versus where they are now, and the calibre of player they've got in their team, and, and the way he's developed players, I feel that's something that United is screaming out for at the moment, and and. I think maybe if if they can offer him silly money, which you know they financially can, and offer Tottenham a compensation package, which Levy probably would be tempted to accept. And I think he's probably the best solution. Obviously, Premier League experience as well. I mean, that's,
2: like I say, an interesting point of view. But again, if I was Pogstino, I'd be thinking twice about going there. There's just something Mm -hmm. about Man United. I don't know what it is. It just sort of at the minute, it just seems a bit, there's something not right. And it hasn't been right since maybe Ferguson was there just like people aren't sort of being allowed to bring in their own like even like Moyes like you said like you're sort of like half joking but even he wasn't basically allowed to bring in the players that he wanted to bring in was he? Because he was sort of targeting elite level players and yeah. he never really got them in the end I mean that was part of the reason why he failed obviously also they weren't playing very nice football and and whatnot but again if I was Pochettino I'd wait for Real Madrid or PSG or, or Argentina they're much better placed than Man United. And you know, Man United are still sort of like top four. They're not going through a massive slump, but I just wouldn't put myself through it. There's no, there's no sort of like, I can't see any thanks coming with that job at the minute. So, yeah. like I say, with with someone like who's got Pochettino, like's got quite a high stock at the minute with what he's like you he said, to Tom, what he's done at Spurs. So I I would just wait and just wait and see how Lukaku gets on, um, or um, Tuchel gets on at PSG, and then probably go there. I just, if I was just an any manager, I'd just stay clear of United. And the it just looks like an absolute train wreck from the outside. I don't know, like I say, if there's any weight to the rumours about sort of like Pogba and Romino falling out, but it just sounds horrible in terms of the players seem to be running the place, and Mourinho trying to keep his hold on it. But like I said, that's just maybe I'm being a bit biased. Because I don't want Pochettino to go, but I've always, <laughs> I've always said, I've always said that like he is going to go eventually because he's bigger than he'll be bigger than Spurs, but. I wouldn't. If I was him, I wouldn't throw it all away to go to Man United because it could have all be over in nine months, like Moyes was.
0: No, I yeah, I agree with you to be honest. I mean, we focused a lot on the Mourinho thing over the last few weeks and and how it's been a difficult time for United. They were abysmal at the weekend against West Ham, and we should probably focus on West Ham because as much as United were abysmal, West Ham were so good. That's probably the best I've seen them play in a long time. And they carved United open for fun. And Felipe Anderson looks like he's going to be a pretty decent signing for them. He looked dangerous throughout. And Arnautovic scored again. I mean, it was a really good pass from Mark Noble, Ryan's favourite player.
2: We'll get on to him later, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I, was
0: just, I was just going to say, is this the West Ham that you expected from this season? Because at the beginning, they were a bit all over the place. Do you Do you think they can really kick on for the rest of the season?
2: I do, I do believe so. I said this at the start of the year. I mean, when when Alan mentioned it about when they lost like the first four games, and I said, "Oh, there's still nothing to worry about in my eyes." And i have sort of been, sort of maybe sort of proving a little bit right over the last couple of weeks because they played really well, obviously against Chelsea to get a point, mm. and then also, like I say, played really, really well. And like I said, one thing I would want to say about Martin Noble is the fact that yes, I sort of maybe questioned his. Um, Usefulness in that side um, a week ago or two weeks ago, whenever I was last on. But he had a really good game, and like I said I'm not I'm not above just saying, oh, he's terrible all the time. If he has a good game, then I will say it. And he was absolutely outstanding at the weekend. And part of the reason why um, West Ham beat United. So yeah, it's 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 probably they're they're getting they're getting there now under Pellegrini. I reckon they're they're still on t- on course like maybe sort of like mid table finish. I don't think they're ever going to be in trouble. It's just a case of just getting a couple of wins together, and then seeing how seeing how it goes. But yeah, very impressed by Noble. Even though not particularly like the guy, but he <laughs> did play well. Um, but yeah, so yeah, very impressed by sort of the way they equipped themselves. But yeah, like you said, for however good they were, United were equally as bad. So it's sort of a two-way deal, really. But yeah, yeah, very very good performance by West Ham. Not surprising as well, considering how they equipped themselves against Chelsea.
0: I had the uh, unfortunate pleasure of watching the game with Alan who isn't on the pod this week. Needless to say, there were a lot of insults thrown my, my way for a lot of the game. And seeing as he's not on the pod, Tom, you can be the the resident West Ham man. Do you think Mark Arnautovic is one of the best centre forwards in the league when he's on form?
1: I would probably still say no. Um, but I think he, he's, he has really impressed me this season, and particularly towards the end of last season as well, because he, for a while he he was almost a bit of a joke in the Premier League because we all knew he had the talent. He played well at Inter and obviously won the Champions League with Inter. But when he came to the Premier League, there was always this. I felt like he he never really reached that full mm-hmm. potential. Um, which which I, yeah I think is is probably. I think he's probably getting there at the moment. I don't know how I don't know how much more potential he's got. Um, I, I'd say more about the, the West Ham performance. You have to really um, praise Pellegrini because they were dire the first few games of the season. And I remember when, in, on this pod probably, probably about a month ago we spoke about how they've got a run of about seven games where they may not pick up any points. And they've gone, they've uh, been at home to Man United and Chelsea and they've got four points from a possible six. And I know that before the international break, um, Pellegrini gave a three-day rest to the squad and then trained them uh, intensely for a week while they changed their system to have three in the midfield. And it's paid dividends since then. And, I mean, there's a stat I I read this morning, which is that um, in that one game alone on Saturday, uh, West Ham scored 8% of the goals they've ever scored against Manchester United in the Premier League. Jesus. So they, they had to really achieve that it was it was very impressive. But I think you, you have to, as, as bad as United were. You do have to give credit to the other side, and, and it was a very solid West Ham performance. Yeah, it,
0: annoyingly, it really was a solid West Ham performance. Mm-hmm. We'll move on now to Spurs versus Huddersfield. Harry Kane seems to be finding his mojo again. Two goals, another one from the penalty spot. Ryan, the stat that you messaged me the other day is absolute gold! I didn't realize I read into it more that he's now the top scorer at the John Smith Stadium he scored four goals in two games there
2: oh yes Only <laughs>
1: needs two, <doesn't>
0: he? <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. I guess says more about Huddersfield's ability to score a goal than it does about how good Harry Kane is but he's I didn't realize he's now Spurs' fifth top scorer of all time
2: yep yeah, yeah so he went, went past a foe on um on Saturday so yeah but like I said that stat is one of my favourites um personally
0: <laughs> a good
2: one. But, yeah like I said the when you said about sort of like maybe he's found his mojo I don't think it ever went he just he just looked maybe a little bit a little bit jaded and he's always going to get chances but um it is weird how I think I don't know if I mentioned this the other week that people were sort of complaining even though Lucas Moura won the golden boot Uh sorry, not golden boot the uh, player of the month. These questions not that good. Yeah, getting, getting ahead of myself already. Um, and, um, and people were saying, like, yeah, he's playing well, but he's limiting, like, Kane's contributions to games because Kane is usually the one sort of, like, taking shots from, like, the edge of the area and getting himself hmm. into positions. And he had to be, like, more of, like, almost like a... So, sort of like, a supporting forward for Moura. Um, and it was noticeable when we played Brighton the other week when he, uh, he went off, Kane had, like, four or five shots... And then, like, more, uh, he was maybe more playing on the wing um, on Saturday against Huddersfield because Ali wasn't playing. And um, yeah, it was quite weird just to see, like, sort of Kane playing, like, how he was. So maybe there is some sort of truth in that, in the way that they just they just play differently or they play differently when they're together up front. But yeah, I don't think he was ever, sort of, like, really in trouble of sort of losing anything. He was just one of those things where he just maybe just needed a tweaker system. And it sort of paid off in the last couple of games.
0: Do you think that? maybe it's down to the fact that Lucas Mora is still a, f- a new signing because he didn't really break into the team when he signed last year. Do you think he's still not maybe bedded down into the way Poch wants him to play and he's still a bit of an individual sort of player?
2: Yeah, I mean, like that's not necessarily a bad thing because obviously you get like individual players, like someone, for example, like Wilfred Zahart who then can like basically um, run a team on his own, like he does a bit with Palace. Um, but... It's um, it's just one of those things where like he he like, even when he presses like with the midfield when he runs with like Moore is doing a lot of the stuff on his own sort of thing I in like he's running off when other people are backing off he's still pressing it whether that's because Pochettino has given him like a specific instruction or whether it's because he's still getting used to maybe how things are done you don't really know but yeah I ooh, think he's still ooh. like I said he's still getting there um, but he's he's had, has looked a lot sharper than when he was last year. But, yeah, he's um, he's started the season well. But, yeah, like I say, it's just one of the things maybe he just needs a couple more months just to sort of truly integrate himself into, like, what he wants to do sort of defensively and offensively as well.
0: It's really coming to his own in recent weeks, to be fair. On a Huddersfield side of things, I mean, we talked about it a bit last week, Tom, that they look like they're going down. They're bottom of the table now. Do you think there's any hope for them that that fighting spirit they had last season and that hard grind doesn't seem to be there anymore?
1: No, I... It's a real shame because um, I watched this game on the, on the three pm kickoffs, and noticeably, the, the crowd and the atmosphere is absolutely fantastic at the John Smith Stadium. Um, so it, it's almost a shame that the way they're playing. But unless they can find, I don't know, a ten goal a season striker in, who's already in their <laughs> squad, or some some guys in the midfield to really step it up, they ha- they have lost that bite. And that um, I know that we played the Bournemouth played them last season at home. And we lost, I think we lost 4 1 to them. And they were just unbelievable. Like you, they were just fighting for every ta- on every tackle, every loose ball. And you, you, you just backed them. And I don't think they have that so far this season. And they're really going to have to turn games around in the same way that West Ham have um, in the next few weeks to start getting up, up the points. Because two, uh, two points on the table at this stage of the season, I mean, we knew they were going to be around the bottom. But there's other teams that maybe we thought would be around the bottom as well who are starting to pull away. Uh, and, I, yeah, I think if if they get to sort of the end of October and they have maybe less than five points, less than six, six or seven points, then really there's not, it's almost too late at that stage of the season. Is it,
0: do you think it's the players or do you think, I mean, I never want to put a manager on, on the chopping board, but is it him?
1: Is it, well, I mean, Wagner is is one of these managers that's incredibly popular in in sort of the hipster niche scene, and yet their performances this season have haven't been particularly um, enticing or spectacular. Um, I don't think it is him. I think if you look at the squad, he he has a what I would deem a, a championship squad, and actually it's probably even more impressive now looking back how well or how well he did last season to keep them up. Um, and may, maybe it's unfortunately just going to be one of those scenarios where. You just look back and marvel at the achievement that they even got into the Premier League and that pains me to say because it shouldn't be like that and he, he, I'm sure he will have a really long and successful career in management.
2: I thought Huddersfield actually in the first half anyway he didn't play that badly, um, I mean like they hit the bar and they, like I said they were, seemed to be well up for it and from what I could judge from sort of like I, I didn't follow the game live but I had it on sort of like the live commentary on the Spurs Twitter feed. And from what people were saying on there and, like, people who were watching it on streams and stuff, they said that Huddersfield had the best of the sort of, like, the first maybe opening 20, 25 minutes and obviously hit the bar just before half-time. And I feel like the way that we've played at the middle, whether we've started the season in terms of, like, not being able to keep clean sheets very often, I mean, if one of those goes in, I feel like it could be a lot of a tighter game. But, like that, maybe that me being, again, being quite a cynical Spurs fans, that's probably why I think that. But yeah, it's just one of those things where like um, I feel like they are in a bit of trouble because they just don't have a goal scorer. Mm. I mean it's very rare that like obviously we were on um, we were on Super Six this week, the like, Huddersfield game was on uh, Super Six on the Sky thing and I had a go at that as I do most of the games, trying to win all that sweet money. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it was just one of those things where like as soon as the game came out, like, I usually put spurs to draw because I'm never that confident, especially like when I have to sort of like put a prediction behind it. Um, and I put it as a, um, usually put it as a draw, but I just put it as 2-0 straight away because I knew Huddersfield wouldn't score because yeah. they have such a bad record at home. And it's just one of the things where, like, um, obviously it came out to be true in the end. Like, but, yeah, it's just... just uh, if, if that goal would have gone in, it could have been a lot of a different game. But, yeah, they are definitely in trouble. I definitely agree with you on that.
0: I mean, while we're talking about goal scorers, Harry Kane obviously scored twice. That puts him on five goals. So, he's one behind Eden Hazard and he's joint with Sergio Aguero for Golden Boot. Do we take it for granted just how good Harry Kane is at scoring goals since he came into the league?
1: Yeah, I definitely think we do. Um, I was having a look and um, back at sort of similar dominant strikers uh, sort of since I've really been into football. And what, the one that jumped out for me was, was how good Didier Drogba was at Chelsea um, for the first time he was at the club. And it's interesting to sort of compare stats. So Didier Drogba played two hundred and fifty-four games for Chelsea. And bearing in mind, I think in his second spell, he played 28 games and he, he was probably long past at that point. But he scored 104 goals. And in 157 appearances for, for Spurs, Harry Kane's got 113. Uh, and, I, and I was thinking, I, I don't know, I can't think of a better one, but is he the best Premier League striker that we've seen maybe in a decade? Possibly even longer than that. I mean, his ability to just get goals and even when he has these sort of small droughts, it can be three or four games, and you start calling it a drought. But he just does score goals, and in my opinion, he's probably the most complete striker we've seen in the Premier League for a long time.
2: Um, I think, in terms of strikers, it's hard, like I say, in the last. If we're going for the last decade, like you said, as the, as a sort of the point of reference, I feel like um, I feel like sort of I, I do rate Aguero higher just because he's done it a bit longer. And like even when I was watching him now, like earlier, for the first half of the Hoppenheim City game, and he was still just like ragging people, left, right, and centre, and just <laughs> shooting, and it was like he had about two or three chances. He could have had a hat trick, really. Um, and he's just one of them players. Like I just, I just think he's. I'd love to see him play at Tottenham. And mental, really, the way he's sort of come through in the last three or four years. And like I say, people do. He thrives on people just underestimating him all the time. But yeah, I, th- I think overall, it's just sort of like a longevity-wise for the Premier League striker over the last 10 years i think it has to be agüero okay. but yeah like i say you give it another five years where maybe agüero's retired or if he has got plans to move back maybe to argentina or play back in spain again you never know um then obviously i think kane's there to be taking the, the sort of like the the title for that sort of honor as in like most consistent striker constantly every year mm-hmm. um yeah yeah like i said i can't it's just it's just meant to, like the no one saw it coming as well. Any Tottenham fan that says, oh, yeah, he was going to be world class in three or four years, they're, they're just not an outlier. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not true. <laughs> I mean, I remember like constantly a game I always talk about is that when we played Hearts in the Europa League. It was like a qualifier. And um, it was when Harry Redknapp was in charge. And we won the first leg like, 5-0 and then played all like the reserves for the second leg like, wide lane. And Kane played and then uh, won and then missed a penalty. And it was just like one of the things he looked so out of his depth. And I thought, uh, there's no way he's going to get anything out of this like Spurs career. And um, and obviously, the, the way he's come back now, it's just absolutely crazy. But yeah, it's just, uh, you do have to stop and think sometimes how far he's come in the last three or four years. Because some people just take it for granted. Hmm.
0: A quick yes or no from both of you. Does he overtake Alan Shearer? Hmm. Depends if he stays in the premiership or not. I mean, that's not a yes or a no. <laughs>
2: okay. if, if, he is, if he's going to be like Alan Shearer in terms of maybe stay at Tottenham until he's 36 and then retire then yes okay. if he moves to Real Madrid or whatever as Tottenham players seem to do um, <laughs> um, then obviously no because he'll spend the majority, majority of his prime years in another country
1: Tom? I, yeah, I, I, would, I would say yes and, and I'd probably use the example of Aguero as, as a justification so Aguero is only 30 but you see mm-hmm. how he has lost. He's lost the extra yard of pace maybe he had uh, two or three years ago that sort of set him apart from everybody else. And I don't think Kane has to worry about losing that yard of pace. I, he's not a lightning quick player, but his ability to place himself in the box, win win balls in the air. That header against United um, is a perfect example. I don't think he has to worry about losing that yard of pace. So I think he can keep scoring for a long time. Um, I, I, yeah, Ryan's right. If he stays at Tottenham, I think he's got the best chance to do it than anyone. Fair enough. I think what about you. What do you think?
0: I I think yes. I don't I don't know why. I just have a sneaking suspicion that he's just gonna maybe not not this year, maybe next year or the year after. He's gonna bang in like forty goals, and he's just gonna skyrocket up there.
2: What like he's done for the last like three seasons?
0: <laughs> no, no I I meant like for, I meant forty Premier League goals. Oh, right. Like, okay. oh, like, oh, really? go, go real, he's going go he's, hard on that. Oh, he's God. gonna have like a proper big boy scoring hat tricks against every every team in the league. that finishes <laughs> with, like 120 goals. And He's like, yeah, all right, see you later, boys.
1: <laughs> People will still be saying, oh no, but he can't do it for England, though. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if he gets um, after a full a full summer of rest next year, um, what what he's like next season because always oh he doesn't look like he's fully fit. Well, if he actually isn't fully fit. How good could he bloody be? Because I still think he's unbelievable at the moment. Not unless England
0: make it to the UEFA Nations League final. <laughs> I was just thinking, that's
2: no extra three games.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> now I was just going to say as well. I always think like Alan Shearer gets a real rough deal mm. because he like started scoring like at the back end of the 80s. So like he's probably got I don't know how many first division and Premiership goals he's got combined. But I reckon it's probably about closer to 300 than it is 260. So I always feel bad for him because like his first like four years like no it don't count mate. (laughs) (laughs) He's completely wiped from the stats. Like he like I said I'll have to look it up. I don't know exactly what it is, but it would be definitely more because he was he started off well at Southampton, obviously went Blackburn and then Newcastle. Mm. But um, yeah, I always always feel a bit bad for him. Just all of the first four years just do not count towards the
0: That is classic Sky. If it's not on their channel, they don't believe it ever happened. None. There, there was no football before 1993. What are you talking about? It's true. <laughs> um, it's true. Moving on to the last in-depth game that we're going to go on to in this episode and probably the highlight game of the weekend in terms of the title race. I know it's still early, but Chelsea-Liverpool had title race contenders written all over it. Do you think of point was a fair result after that Sturridge absolute
1: wonder goal? I I thought the game um, the game was very good. I actually thought Chelsea were far more impressive. Hmm. I think I I felt that that had a opportunity to be Liverpool's sort of temperature gauge the uh, temperature gauge the the barometer of their season. Look, you're playing a team that's in form in Chelsea and can you stamp stamp your authority in the league and really push on to be a challenger? I, I still think they're they're going to be there there and thereabouts. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed with uh, with how Chelsea set themselves up. I mean, Hazard is unbelievable this season. I think he's he's been so good so far, and um, he's got a potential to be. I think it was two or three seasons ago where he was he had this sort of um, this slip in in maybe his quality and his performance. Under, was it under Conte? Mm. Um, but he seems to be back to his best, which is really exciting. And I think the league is better when he's at his best. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I think Chelsea were very good and and they they deservedly got um, a point because that, that fine goal by Daniel Sturridge who's uh, has it now got the he's now third all time in goals off the bench behind Peter Crouch and Jermaine Defoe. Oh wow. Good old
0: boy. And I think was I saw a stat that he's the second fastest player to reach 50 goals for Liverpool behind Fernando Torres. Nice. Which is yeah, which is good. mental. Okay, again,
2: is that a um, is that another Premier League based statistic? Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for like Kenny Dalglish.
0: <laughs> uh they had but their yeah, chance. Um, I I'm not sure who wrote this on the uh, on the Google doc, but after the point of goal of the season contender from Sturridge, someone's written McGinn will be furious with this claim. <laughs> I'm not sure.
2: Yeah. Oh, that is fair. <laughs> I mean, so,
1: I didn't write it, but that is a fair claim. I I did write that. Yeah, the, the McGinn the McGin goal is far better than Storages. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, I just think that um, the, the, only, the only caveat I have with McGinn's goal is he did shin it. He did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, but mate,
2: he's, he, he has, like, cans of iron brew at half-time. <laughs> like, the fact that he's even done that without
0: pulling a hamstring <laughs> is great. Like... Oh. Staying with Chelsea versus Liverpool. Tom, you said the Premier League looks better with Hazard playing well. On the other side of it, what's happened to Salah? Because he looked insane last season and it just hasn't really clicked for him this year. Yes. <laughs> did you write, sorry, did you also write the second thing after this point on the Google Doc?
1: that the Sergio Ramos, Ramos finishing move
0: what impact did Sergio Ramos finishing move have on his career <laughs> I, <laughs> I think <yeah. laughs> absolute bench. Um I think it's
2: all of that time hanging around war criminals has done him some bad <laughs> <laughs> I, oh. I, don't,
1: I don't know um, I don't know what's wrong with Salah do you, do you think maybe that he just happened I think he's a very talented player and there's, that's, that's very obvious <laughs> But do you think he just, maybe last season, was the one in Liverpool's team that benefited from the system that they played in the most? And maybe this year it's other players who are, who are getting the goals, whether it's Mane or Firmino. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, Keita looks very good. And Do you think maybe just there's other points in Klopp's system at the moment that are, get, uh, are appearing as the better option?
0: I reckon he's scared of Shakiri. He's, he's like, I would
1: he's fully
0: aware that Shakiri is just waiting to take that right wing spot, and he's like, "Oh God, please!" no I, to be fair, I think you're completely right. Almost last season, everything went through him, and that Liverpool front three were amazing. But every single moment of magic came from Salah, and I think there's it's almost a mental thing as well. When you're a player that's that on top of your game, you can do anything, and defenders are so scared of what you could potentially do they just tend to back off and I think maybe this year they've gone about it and said Look, you know what we know how Liverpool we're going to play we we know how Salah's going to play if we just get tight hit him a few times kick him a few times just mess up their style maybe he's not going to be on it and he hasn't had a bad season but just in comparison to last year I don't think he's ever going to top it yes
2: that's a that's a fair point I think. Um... Also, like I say, it sounds weird that um, in in for a team that's sort of like won six and drawn one of their first seven games. They Liverpool are this season, I think, a little bit of like a team in transition mm. in terms of the way they play. and like the way they're distributing the play because, as most sort of fans of, sort of teams that have been labelled like a one man team before, it's not sustainable to have someone like having all the play going through one player because, like I say, on the off chance that they do get a bad injury, like I say about the obviously the uh, Champions League final injury um that all of a sudden then that neuters your team for the rest of the well maybe season maybe a few weeks So yeah it's definitely like maybe they sort of cloppers have kind of like okay maybe you need to share the burden yeah. rather than just letting um salah do it all but um yeah i, th- I think like i like that i'm very wary like we had a conversation about kane and i'm very wary of writing people off writing players off Like a lot of people are saying well mainly fans of teams that maybe aren't particularly fond of Liverpool and saying like, oh, he's, he's a one-season wonder and all this. And it's like, yeah, but you can't really write someone off like that because usually they come back and it bites you on the ass. Yeah. So <laughs> you just have to sort of wash out and like the... But yeah, I, I think, like I say, he's still a class player, but um, maybe, like I say, it's just a bit of a change of system. And um, it, obviously it will benefit Liverpool in the long run because if you've got all of them scoring 20 goals a year rather than one bloke scoring 40, I'd much rather that. <laughs> yeah. Because then you're just sharing the burden, like I say. And if you've got someone, like you said about Shaqiri, he's a decent deputy to come in. So if he gets like five, six goals and a few assists, then that's not going to turn him, they're not going to turn that down, are they? Yeah, like I said, I think it's just a bit of a, like a trans, um, the transformation of the team. But um, yeah, it'd be, like I said, it'd be interesting to see how he sort of comes back maybe from a couple of poor games, but it's not the end of him, definitely.
0: A quick word on Chelsea. Does that show, that performance show, that they may be more in a title challenge than people may have given them credit for before the season started?
1: I think Sarri was surprised with how well they've taken to it. I think he mentioned after the game um, that it's it's never really difficult for his attackers to adapt to the style of play he wants to wants to bring in, and it's it usually takes a longer time for the defenders to be able to adapt. Um, but but Chelsea defensively very strong, and people like David Luiz, I think I think he had a really really good game actually um, uh, the weekend, and, and pro- probably his best for a long time actually at Chelsea in terms of a noticeable performance, but marcus alonso is has has again is again having a really good season and um i think they look strong at the back but they they use their wing back so effectively to get forward and attack and yeah i think that it may be a closer t- uh, tie at the top of the div- division than, than we thought maybe it'll be a three-team challenge rather than just mount city and liverpool yeah no, I, I agree with you ryan
2: yeah like i say i mean it's maybe set them by surprise a bit but after the first couple of games, you could tell that he'd already he'd had a better impact than um, Conte had last year in terms of like man managing the players, maybe. Or like, Conte looked a bit spent by the end of, after the uh, FA Cup final. You could tell he was sort of on his way out. Um, like I said, "There's a long way to go," but I, I still still maintain that they're probably they're the three teams that are going to win. I still think City are the favourites, hmm. um, and I thought that at the start of the season, and that hasn't really changed. Um, but yeah, like I said, Chelsea surprised me a little bit. I mean, I knew they'd be top four, but maybe sort of like pushing top three, and maybe then three having a three-way fight could happen if a City and uh, sorry, Chelsea and Liverpool can match sort of City's intensity throughout the whole season. But yeah, they definitely sort of took me a bit by surprise.
0: Okay, so that's the last of the in-depth uh, things that we've done on this week's pod. A little rundown of the rest of the results. I was going to call it 2-0 Saturday, but fucking Everton won 3-0 against Fulham, didn't they? To ruin that for me. So, Arsenal make it five wins in a row with a 2-0 win over Watford.
2: Yeah, I thought Watford were a bit wasteful in their chances. Um, I believe, like, I watched a whole lot of match of the day and that success chance where it hit the post, that's one of the things where, like, if it goes in, it could be a completely different game. And then mm. Arsenal sort of capitalise on it. But, yeah, Watford, again, just playing really well. Um, just unfortunate towards the end that maybe they didn't get a point is that all I heard on Saturday was just they were playing really well and they just couldn't couldn't finish their chances
0: unfortunately for them. Well another team that's playing really well and did finish their chances was Wolves and they continued with their impressive form with a 2-0 win over Southampton. My favorite one of the weekend, Rafa Benitez's Newcastle are just 17 points off top spot now <laughs> after they lost to Leicester City <laughs> at the weekend.
2: I've got a couple of, couple of mates, like I said before, a couple of people that I've round our way that support Leicester. A couple of them went, they said Newcastle were fucking awful. <laughs> really bad. <laughs> really bad.
0: They need the money.
2: Yeah, <laughs> they, they are absolutely struggling for um, just, well, anything at the minute. I think
1: there's a lot of players there that don't want to play for that club at the moment. And I think it's, it's not just Rafa, I think it's, it's higher up than him.
0: Mm, yeah. Everton, as I said, ruined 2 0 Saturday by winning 3 0 against Fulham.
1: I was quite surprised with this one. I thought um, Fulham have, have probably underperformed so far this season, and, and Everton were very, very clinical. And I think that uh, Everton's attacking force this season is going to be a real threat. And I think they're going to be, actually have quite a good, uh, pro- probably quite a good run and comfortably be mid-table.
0: Man City continue their impressive form as well. Win against Brighton. The big one coming out of that, though, De Bruyne is back in training a month ahead of schedule. So that's not looking good for the rest of the teams in the Premier League. The Sunday game, Burnley win two on the bounce. Cardiff seem to be bottom of every stat, passing, shooting, whatever, but not the league table. And then the Monday night, which I'm sure Tom will have something to say about, Bournemouth snatch a last minute or so winner with a penalty by junior Stanislas.
1: Yeah, it was a it was a good game. And actually it, was, it, was, it was interesting because, Danny, you mentioned last week David Brooks and how um, as a young player in the Premier League, he's got a lot of potential. He's, he got the opener. Um, last night, which I was uh, I was very impressed with his performance. Um, but I think something that I mentioned before the season, which I've, I which I noted down as well, was that um, Bournemouth tend to win a lot of penalties. And actually, that's um, every home game this season we've won a penalty. Um, so it's an unusual stat. But I think that with the strikers we have and, and the wingers as well, we're going to get a, a lot of uh, attacking chances and as a result, a lot of a potential a lot of penalties. But I was really imp- impressed with our performance and Lewis Cook and Lerma hopefully be able to solidify the middle of our, yeah, middle of the park. Fair job. So moving on
0: to possibly the best feature that we've ever created on this show. (laughs) It's week two of Unpopular Opinions.
1: I've kept really quiet, but I'll tell you something. Honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. How wrong is the game? Well, it's your opinion. You know, it, again, it's a game of opinions it's, and you've got a right to your opinion, but I've also got a right to my opinion.
0: Ryan, it's your debut. Go for it. What, what do you want to get off your chest that might be seen as an unpopular opinion?
2: Uh, first of all, can I just chip in? The ones last week were very interesting. I
1: mean, <laughs>
2: fair play to sticking your neck so far out that you think that Newcastle could possibly win the team with a different, uh, win the premiership with a completely different team. (laughs) Which is probably actually not too far off, to be honest. Um, Yeah, I've got, um, well, it was sort of something I noticed on Sunday morning. I was watching Match of the Day when I woke up because obviously I missed, uh, missed it on Saturday. I'm usually busy most Saturdays. And I feel like, um, I was speaking to my dad about this before. And, um, I feel like Match of the Day now, it is completely irrelevant as a programme, there is no need for it to be on TV, but the only reason it is on is because it's sort of like the sense of tradition that's been on for over 50 years, or whatever, and I feel like that is the only reason it's on TV, because you can get your highlights of football now from like five o'clock onwards, from like most places you can stream football, and even for like older people that maybe aren't so in tune with sort of like technology. You can still get it sort of really easily sent to your TV. And I feel like it's just this thing that's like the only reason it is still on is because people think, Oh, it's always been on, so we have to keep it going. That's that's one of the things I I I don't particularly watch it anymore. And I don't think many people do either. I read an article about this the other day and it's sort of like it's living off its own nostalgia. I don't know what you thought about that. Whether you think it's still worth it shouting the um T V listens or whether they should give it up.
0: annoyingly I agree with you.
1: I I, I, I guess I, yeah, I guess I don't agree with you because I think that there's um, there's definitely a market for ex footballers commentary on, on on football and I because I, I always wonder why because we've already spoken about how a lot of the time when ex footballers on TV they do zero to well they do hardly any uh, research so they know absolutely nothing about the teams they're playing most of the time and they just tend to make generic comments. But there does seem to be a market for it, and I, and I, I feel like Gary Lineker has is prob- probably the best football, or ex-football player who's a pundit. I mean, he's more of a presenter, but I don't think there's anyone in his class. Um, and it would be such a shame if we had to kick him off of television. Um, so I guess I guess I disagree, but I, I see where you're coming from in terms of you can you can I mean think I think m- most goals are immediately on Sky Sports' Twitter anyway.
2: Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Look, again, like I've, I've got not really, not really got a problem with the way that Match the day is because Like I say I will watch it on occasion. I mean, not like me and you, Danny, we watched the first episode this year, didn't we? When, yeah. When I was, we were down visiting, uh, and that was the only time in the last about three seasons I've watched Match the day from like start to finish. Um, because like I say half the time I watch the goals by six o'clock anyway, or if not, it's on maybe. Um, you can have like goals on Sunday on or something like that. on, And you can have it on in the background whilst you're doing stuff rather than just devoting an hour and a half to much of the day. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: but like, I do think like Linnick, I mean, he's got fingers in different pies anyway, so he would never be off screen. He obviously does BT sport work, doesn't need his does champion yeah. stuff. Um, and he does the golf as well, which is quite good on the golf. Like, i watch like the masters and I'll watch the ride Cup at the weekend. So I don't, yeah, I can see what you mean though, but like, I just feel like, oh, that's funny cause I was watching it and, um, it was just like, it just struck like me and, um, me and Laura are watching it on Sunday morning and she just turned around, she doesn't really like football and she just went, it's such like uh, passengers passenger seat chat, isn't it? Like, stuff they <laughs> say, and like, well they've scored and it's a goal but, yeah, that really is, you can't buy that, that's what the license is going on that's true, that's true. but like, yeah, it's just like like I said, just the stuff, Some pe- some pundits on there like I said, there is some insight on there. You've got like sort of Neville and Carragher on Sky and you've got some decent pundits on BT and, and B, BUC. But a lot of it is just sort of like very unresearched, basic level chat about, all they wanted it more therefore all they won. it's just yeah. like, I think they've moved on a bit now with, with Sky and BT have moved the game on a little bit more. And I do think it's one of the things It's just, if if it's around in five, 10 years, I will be surprised. That's one of the things I could, if if someone turned and said, oh, it's not going to be on them, I'd be like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll probably watch. i probably watch more episodes of Match of the Day too over the last couple of years because it sort of like sums up all the goals really quickly, mm. and then you have like a bit of a light-hearted feature with like that too good, too bad, and Matt Chapman. Yeah. And when Adrian Charles used to do it, that was I used to find it quite funny when he did it. Like he was sort of a bit of a light-hearted host, never took it too seriously. Um, but I do think sometimes Match of the Day is in danger of, sort of taking itself really seriously because it's been going on for so long, and it's just like oh, we have to, to do the facts and nothing else, and the goals. Mm. And if there's time, you can have the goal of the month. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, I will watch it on occasion, but I feel like it's just completely, in terms of the world we live in now, it's completely like
0: passed itself by date. Yeah, well, Ryan starts off on popular opinions with like a simmering. I don't think there was too much. No,
2: uh, there was I'm an... saving the real stuff for a couple of weeks' time.
0: Like everyone's <laughs> <on>. Building <laughs> it up. Get in, get in Tom, are you going to turn up the heat on it?
1: I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I th- my, maybe my one last was, last week wasn't to the satisfaction of how controversial it could be. So I, I guess I've I've gone for a bit more of a wilder one, and I think players like Ryan Giggs and Francesco Totti are overrated and favourably looked at because they only played for one team.
0: That, you're a fucking disgrace, mate.
1: <laughs> oh
0: you ha- you had to pick a Manchester United player and an Italian player to just, just really <laughs> no one drive so, that home.
1: I, I guess my, my the reason the reason comes from Totti because I don't think I I don't really I, I appreciate he's a very talented player, but I'm not hundred percent sure where why he's regarded so highly I mean specifically outside of outside of Italy. But Ryan Giggs was a very good player and a very talented player. But are we more impressed the fact that he only played for Man United and played for such a long time? Or are we actually, like, he's, no, he's nowhere near as good as Ronaldo. And he's nowhere near as good as Thierry Henry, I'd say. But we regard him as pro- probably top three greatest Premier League player. And I, I just wonder, I mean, do, under that sort of justification, why not Edwin van der Sar? Ooh, Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah, I'm more than happy to answer questions.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah, I've
1: got
2: a couple. <laughs> no, it's just um, yeah, that's an interesting one. Like I say, because there are a few players, maybe like again, Mark Noble being the, being sort of the <laughs> audience, maybe, maybe people sort of like staying on a bit too long at clubs. And I get what you mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that Giggs may, was maybe a bit of a again someone of of a sort of victim of the pre-premier league era because he sort of burst onto the scene like 1991 i think it was maybe just all like 1990 just before the premiership started so a lot of people again maybe oh, i was obviously wasn't watching football back then due to not being born um <laughs> but um yeah i feel like again he might have been suffered a little bit from sort of like reverse chronology of sort of people putting him um sort of like comparing him to players from now because i think he was a good player and i feel like him not particularly going not leaving Man United didn't necessarily enhance his reputation. I thought he was very good, but then maybe, like, say around the time when he was coming to the end of his career, you had other players that were better than him, so like Rooney when he was good. Back before he sort of like left and went to Everton and off the United States and that. But and like obviously you had like prime time Ronaldo when he was there, like sort of like oh eight, oh nine when he had his really good season. But yeah, I, th- I think just generally some some players are, but I wouldn't put gigs in personally. I wouldn't put gigs in that bracket. If you were to sort of like pushing on it, like of like one club players or like one, yeah, but yeah, I can see what you mean. Like, maybe I, I find it more of a problem with um, Michael Carrick when people say it's uh, about him because, <laughs> yes, he was decent for Spurs and he was decent for United, but like he only got a handful of England cuts for a reason because he wasn't better than anyone else in the midfield at the time. And people are like, oh no, he was really good. If United had him now, they'd be winning the league. That's bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> that's just not true but yeah no I do get what you mean about like sort of some people maybe they looked more favourably um, but linking it to sort of Tottenham a bit like the players that we've had where they've just stayed at one club someone like Ledley King I will always rate him and I will always argue with anyone that he could have been a top class player if he would have been fit And but then that would have meant if he would have been a top class player he would have left Tottenham because he, he would have gone to like Chelsea or United mm. because he was that good but it was just one of the things where obviously injuries just restricted him Um so, yeah, that, again, that was a, like maybe he was in opposite where he was good, but he would have definitely left Tottenham if he was um, match fit because yeah. he was just far too good for us. But, yeah, some players, they do get like, romanticised. And as for Totti, don't watch the Italian League, so yeah, <laughs> could
0: I think in what Ryan and you have both said, the idea that I think because a player stays at one club The fans of that club love him because it's like, oh, he's through and through our club. And then fans of opposition teams almost respect that that player isn't just going places for money and he's staying at a team maybe he likes. But the totty call is fucking bullshit. (laughs) Man won a World Cup. That's
1: true. But so did Marco Matarazzi, getting professionally (laughs) headbutted.
0: He took one for the team and we won a World Cup.
1: (laughs) No, I, I, yeah. I, just, I, I guess there's there's arguments about, there's, there's, there's quite a few players that maybe you look down upon because they played for other teams. Mm. So um, I always think about Torres's legacy and you're always going to remember Torres as being poor at Chelsea and not for being so good at Liverpool. And would he be slightly diff- reviewed slightly different if he just played at Liverpool and then left to go play outside the Premier League and never come back? Or on how would that change them? But yeah, that's a thought I had as well. That to be fair,
0: that was that was a good one. That that ruffled my feathers a little bit. <laughs> What's
1: yours?
0: My one isn't as controversial as that one. I've got two. The second one is my real one, but the first one that I just want to mention. Well, don't say the other one, <laughs> <laughs> no, because it came up in conversation the other day when we were talking on WhatsApp. I think goals that go in off the crossbar look disgustingly bad. Oh no. Okay, that's 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 my one. That's my one. I'm not I'm not saying anymore. That's my one. I don't think goals that hit the crossbar and go in, I'd rather it just cleanly go top bins with no crossbar, see the net ripple rather than it just fuck off the bar.
1: I'd rather you I'd rather you fuck off. The bar. <laughs> oh mate, I can't have that. I can't I, abide I, I, that at all going in off the bar is possibly the best feeling.
0: Why? Oh,
2: it's yeah. horrendously good.
1: I love it.
0: But why, though?
2: Oh, it's just better. Like, <laughs> the, the noise it makes as well. Like, you just hear it and it just pings in. Like, that That Brooks goal was just very... Like, the, the way... He, I mean, it's good from two angles because you see the way he hits it. He almost hits it with his heel, doesn't he? You see, like, yeah. the reverse angle last night. And he sort of, like, heels it in and then it just... It just, it just makes... it just aesthetically pleasing. I mean, have a look at... Obviously, the most famous one is uh, Tony Yaboa, the two yeah. ones he got for Leeds. They're the most famous like, barring in goals ever mm. and one of my favourites. Um, but there's just, just some, some really niche ones. I remember some guy scored one for Norwich about 15 years ago. I mean, he's like 45 yards out, like, He just bangs it and it goes top ends and it hits the bar. It's go, it's fantastic. It's one of my favourite one of my favourite types of goal ever. I like and the fact that you've said that. has really annoyed me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did it. You know, I... You know like everyone raves about the Paul Skull's goal against Aston Villa. I've got no... A classic of the that's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. I've, yeah. I've got no time for the fact that it hits the bar. It annoys me so much that it doesn't just go straight into the top it, corner.
2: It confuses Gabo Corrali so much.
0: <laughs> He's wearing tracksuit he he bottles. He wants
2: to pick it out of the net. He doesn't know what's happening. <laughs> if that's not an interesting... If that's not a good goal, I don't know what is, mate.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, that's just that's just my two cents. I'm I'm much more of a fan of the ball just just going straight into top bins with no touch of crossbar or post i just like i just like the feel of it more
2: this isn't this isn't going to get in but um, that's such a missionary position <laughs> 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 it's
1: such a vanilla
2: such a
0: vanilla way of scoring
2: a goal i'm leaving that in oh my god I'm 100% leaving that in all
0: right well that brings episode 17 to a wrap guys thank you as always Tom, I'm not going to be so nice to Bournemouth after that Francesco Totti claim. That is, that is absolute bullshit. But thank you, as always, for joining us. Cheers, mate. Ryan, thanks to you as well.
2: No worries. Cheers, mate. Also, I'm not going to talk to you for a full week now. You said about our bar and stuff.
0: <laughs> Finally, peace and quiet. Um, <laughs> we'll hopefully be back on Thursday with Tim and Alan. They'll be doing a preview for the weekend's Premier League games. But remember, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. If you've got any questions or some unpopular opinions that you want to send our way, gametimepodcast1 at gmail.com or tweet us at gametime underscore pod on Twitter. But until next week, goodbye. <laughs>